I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. I am Brian, and I am really excited today for two reasons. First, I'm thrilled to have you with me. Thanks so much for tuning in. Second, I'm really excited to talk to Gail Hamill. Gail is someone who has really set the bar when it comes to things like leadership and teamwork and motivation. And as you'll hear from listening to her talk, has so much to share. And someone really who has uh, guided my path to a great degree. So I'm really looking forward to speaking to Gail, and I think you will as well. Let's meet Gail Hamill. Welcome to Lead with Impact. We are fortunate to be joined today by Gail Hamill of Hamill Resources. Gail, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Thanks for asking. So could you let us know, how did your journey start and how did you sort of get to where you are today? Oh, Brian, I hope we have enough time for this story. (laughs) Plenty of time. uh, Yeah. It's a, uh, I'm going to, I won't, I'll go back to sort of a little bit about my background. Uh, when I graduated college decades ago, I had a degree in elementary education. And at the time, there were no teaching jobs in the United States. It, uh, with All the baby boomers had graduated before my class. And had pretty much settled into the teaching arena. So I was fortunate enough to um, be invited to interview for and got a teaching job in Australia. So right out of college, I was airlifted with 15,000 other young American teachers to teach in Australia for two years. And it was an opportunity to travel, uh, all expenses paid pretty much. They paid you tax-free money for two years. And then after that, you could decide to stay and or return to the United States. So um, long story longer, I was in a relationship at the time. We planned a wedding in two days and left six weeks later for Australia for two years. Wow. After... (laughs) After two years of uh, teaching and and exploring and having the good fortune of having teaching jobs in Australia, we ventured home. We took we had an open ended ticket for six weeks, so we were two kids in our twenties, and we traveled home through the Far East and the Mid East and into Europe, and it was just an opportunity of a lifetime. And when we got back to the United States. We were looking for teaching jobs to continue our, you know, lifelong teaching careers. And there happened to be a job. My husband was a phys ed teacher and I was elementary. And there were two jobs 
in an area that he was from. We were up visiting his family. So we interviewed for those jobs and we we got those uh, positions. I became a second grade teacher in a town hall in a place called Pittsburgh, New Hampshire, which is uh, a very, very small town uh, in the northern part of New Hampshire. My husband was from a place called Colebrook. So we settled back up there, and that first year of teaching, I uh, got pregnant with my first child took a year off. And during that year, my husband came home one day and said, we're going to quit teaching and we're going to go into the restaurant and bar business. His father owned a small restaurant and bar in Colebrook, New Hampshire, that believe me when I tell you, I had absolutely no interest in being any part of. (laughs) And I said, no, we're not going to do that. And he said, yeah, we are. And I said, no, we're not. And so we did. And for the next six years, um, we managed a restaurant and bar business. The restaurant was open and bar. The establishment was open 21 hours a day, seven days a week, literally. We were closed from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning and operated the other 21 hours. We lived upstairs. So for me... That was my first taste of real life. I had been raised in a very um, stable, cookie-cutter kind of home in Glens Falls, New York, and I had not really experienced um, running a small business, especially one in a town of 2,500 people eight miles from Canada. Mm. So... It was a great lesson for me. Uh, After six years, for personal reasons, um, one night I put two kids and two turtles in a car and we drove back to Glens Falls, New York to start the next leg of my life journey. Moved back in with my parents to figure out what I was going to do next. And I got a job at a place called Inside Edge. And Inside Edge is a ski ski shop, uh, $4 an hour. I was teaching part-time at the Y. I was working in a bar in Lake George in the summers and I got my real estate license. So my next, I couldn't teach in New York because I had used my certification to go overseas and it had been more than five years. It wasn't a time that I could go back and get my master's and I wasn't really sure I wanted to do that anyway. So I took a job in this in this little ski shop, which became a place. The real um, gem of this business was a catalog business. Back before anybody did online sales or catalog sales, this was in the mid '80s, and this company had a huge, huge catalog business. It was also a time where uh, companies were implementing computers. So I became part of a team that was asked to do computer implementation, get training, uh, and really start to build that business. So about three years into that job, there was an ad in the paper for a I'm – I'm getting to the end of the story, I promise. <laughs> I love it. I got I'm filing questions away as we go, so please keep going. Uh, 
about three years into that job, there was an ad in the paper for something called a personnel administrator. And I thought, well, I really, it was time for me to leave uh, the job that I was in. Uh, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was just trying to make ends meet with a couple of kids and working three or four jobs. So I applied for the job and it was at in a manufacturing company down on a place called Prines Island. Back in the day, Prines Island was jumping with companies and spinoffs of a lot of other local companies. So I interviewed for the job with absolutely no idea what a personnel administrator did and or anything about human resources. I did not know life insurance from health insurance. Trust me when I tell you. There were people that applied for this job that had their degrees in organizational development and had all kinds of experience in personnel or HR. For some reason, this wonderful company chose me and offered me the position. Uh, I think there were two reasons that I ended up in this field. One that they told me was they had me interview with all different levels of this organization, people that worked on machines, people that were engineers, salespeople, the president of the company, et cetera. And I was told that I had the uh, innate ability to relate to all kinds of people at different levels. I truly think I got the job because I was the cheapest one out there. But (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. So the the gentleman that hired me, I thank him every day and every time I see him, sent me to a one-week crash course uh, in all places, Orlando, Florida, to learn about HR. So I came back and I spent three years uh, as a sole, the only employee in human resources at this wonderful company. And after about two and a half years, the company was sold. Well, they actually acquired another company in Worcester, Mass. And every time we went to Worcester, Mass, I'd see another new machine sitting on the on the shop floor. And it was became obvious to me, especially they were draped so we couldn't see them. They were thinking maybe about closing this facility and moving those jobs to Worcester, Mass, because it wasn't a, you know, there probably were 80 employees in Glens Falls, and it would be easy enough to shift them over to a larger population. So I started to look around a little bit for another job. Someone approached me about being, uh, taking a human resources position at a local bank. Would I be interested? She was retiring and I said, not in a million years. Well, I interviewed for that job and I got it. <laughs> so I decided to make the change. I had just bought my first home. Uh, I was almost 40 years old at that point, And I needed to know that I was going to have a job going forward. And the bank at the time seemed a lot more stable than the environment that I was in. Mm-hmm. So again, without any background in the industry I was going into, I took a job at a place called First National Bank of Glens Falls, um, about 400 employees. 
And my first task was to implement an HRIS system for them. So my background in implementing the computer system in the ski industry came in pretty handy. Can you explain, Gail, to maybe some of our listeners who might not be familiar with the acronym HRIS? Oh, I'm sorry. A human resource information system. They had over 400 employees at the time, and there was there was no everything was being tracked manually. So the bank was very interested in bringing in some type of technology to help them with just automating everything that they were doing. So that was the first week that I was there. I started. Uh, on a Monday, the following week, the new payroll manager started, and the director of HR went on vacation for two weeks. So the two of us, brand new, were charged with figuring out how to implement this human resources information system. Anyway, we we figured it out. And also, I was sent for training. Uh, that, that time, I got to go to St. Petersburg, Florida. So that was okay, too. So I I ended up spending 15 years um, sitting in that chair, although that chair changed a lot in the 15 years that I was in it. The independent bank that I started with was sold or was acquired, if you will. Probably I'd been there, I think, about eight years, and that was the first acquisition. Six months later, another bank came in and bought that bank. And the there was a, a lot of change um, after the first acquisition. I was the only one left in New York in human resources. However, what it did for me is I learned every time that we were bought or sold or acquired some other organization, it was such an opportunity for me to learn and go. And my job evolved into being... Um, a relationship manager for different business lines over the years. I got to a point where I was not home four nights out of five a week. I was on the road because I had five states to cover. And I just, um, the organization grew to, it was about 20,000 employees when one day I was literally walking across the street to my office in the morning, and I thought, you know what? I, if I leave this world tomorrow, I'm going to leave this world as the lady who worked at the bank. And if there's a bus out there, just come and run me over now, because I, 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 I want to. This isn't I, the only thing that I did. I traveled all the time, and I never had anything positive to share with anybody. And it wasn't how, it's not how I am. It wasn't how I wanted to leave this world. I wasn't as old as I am now, but I knew I had a few good years left in me. So I thought, eh, I, I just I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't know what it is I want to do, but I don't want to do this. So I got in my head the idea that I love, love human resources. And I live in an area where there's a lot of small business, there's very, there's a very limited number of large companies, if not any over the years, they've kind of moved out. And there's so many small businesses in this area that 
need a human resources person, but they're not big enough to hire one, nor should they. So I wanted to stay in the field. So I decided to hang my own shingle and become what we call a human resources consultant. Uh, at that point, I had been in human resources almost 25 years, and I just knew that I could do something to make me happy, but at the, more importantly, to help the people that really need help when they need it. So I'm happy to say that will be 13 years ago in June, this coming June, that I've been able to eke out a living. And what it's done for me is helped me to stay creative. I have an opportunity to do a lot of training. So maybe that elementary education degree came in handy at some point along the way. But my past is so varied between the teaching, working in uh, catalog and ski industry, working in manufacturing, uh, working in financial services. I, can, I have a, a little bit of a broader background than a lot of people do having sat in those chairs and done what I've done in my life. So my journey has been so beneficial to me to be able to understand, to go in and talk to somebody that's a machine shop and understand exactly what they're doing and what they, not exactly what they're doing, but I understand that part of their business and can relate to it and, and talk the language a little bit more. So I, I'm thrilled that it's worked out. Uh, it allows me the opportunity to partner with great people and travel and be creative and do different kinds of things and leave this world knowing that I made a, a better difference for people than I would have if I'd stayed where I was. That's a uh, fascinating story. <laughs> Sorry, it's uh, a no, little long, but I'm kind of old. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and I've got some follow-up questions, a few of them. Great. And let me start with the most recent. Could you tell us a little bit more about how going out on your own and being a human resources consultant fulfilled you or really made you enjoy the process more than doing a similar job for a big company? Oh, I'm not, I'm not good in a big company. Uh, although I needed to be obviously as many people do, you know, that paycheck put a couple kids through college and <laughs> help me. You know, I just got, I won't say I just got my first retirement check, but I just got my first retirement check. <laughs> you know, especially in a bank. I mean, the benefits in a bank are, I don't know if there still are, but at the time that they were so rich and it was so helpful. I don't, I mean, I do okay in a big company, but as the company grew with 20,000 employees, I was so far from any type of ability to make decisions or make a difference. I had, there were things that, that go on that I just didn't even agree with. And being in HR and having to go out and deliver a message that you don't feel in your heart is the right thing for anybody. 
I, I just needed to be true to myself. And that's been my MO my whole life when I just knew that, you know, I'll jump off the edge of a cliff to, to just know that I'm being true to myself. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. I think it was, I thought it would be a lot easier to launch a business. People said to me, oh, you know everybody, you know, you grew up here, you work here. People will hire you. And then I think the reality and what's helped me to grow is those people were nowhere around when I actually stepped out. Uh, and you've got to learn to, as you know, Brian, you've got to learn to network and go out and, and, you know, build those relationships. And it's just not as easy as I ever thought it was going to be. There's so much more to it. For me personally, if I have a computer problem now, there's no IT department for me to call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't have any outside salesmen that go out and sell for me. So we all have to sort of adapt to do these things as entrepreneurs and uh, learn all these sort of skill sets at once, which is, a, I found it in some ways fascinating and exciting, but in the other ways it can be challenging too. Well, as, as we experienced this morning, technology has come a long way. You know, right. uh, I've got so many backup laptops and iPhones and desktops. <laughs> if one thing doesn't work, you can switch and run and go to another. I remember when I first started to travel, oh gosh, it had to be 15 years ago. If I've been gone for 13, it's even longer than that. They, they didn't, we didn't have cell phones. I used to carry what was called a PDA, a personal digital assistant, and hang out my window driving through Vermont, hoping that somebody somewhere would have a, a wireless signal I could pick up so I might be able to check my emails. And people thought I was like a freak because I, I just didn't want to leave that work behind. And I figured out how to do that. But technology has made it so wonderful, not that it's easy, but has really helped to be more independent and be able to check your, I mean, I can pull my information up that's sitting on my desktop from anywhere in the world. Without a doubt, there's so much more available and so many more ways to get it. That has been a help to both of us, I'm sure. So a couple of other questions. In your journey, you told about a couple times when you got jobs where you didn't have a ton of experience maybe in that field, mm -hmm. such as being uh, going into being the personnel person for the company on Prize Island or being asked by a bank to come work for them. Why were you able to be successful? I know you sort of gave me a joke answer earlier, but why were you <laughs> able to be successful in these things you didn't have a lot of experience in? And what made people say yes to you? In the case of the bank, what made them even come to you? Because I know a lot of us would like to do different things, but there's that fear or uncertainty or the little voice that says we're not qualified and we don't even try. So some input on that would be great. Yeah. I have two different answers because there were two different experiences. One, I sought out on my own, not knowing a thing about personnel at the time. Um, the, the man that hired me, his name is Nick. 
I thank him every day for introducing me to the world of HR. Uh, he, I was hired because of those critical success factors that are so vital for anybody in a human resources role. They've got to be able to adapt to people. They have to be able to relate to people. They And, and those were the skills that Nick told me, because I looked in the file after I got hired. There were 40 people that applied for that job, and some on paper were far more qualified than I was with degrees and experience. What Nick said to me was, I can teach you human resources. I can't teach people how to relate to people. And I went through very grueling interviews with all levels of the organization. I was hired because of my ability to relate to people. And probably based on the answers to the questions that that one of the questions, which if I hadn't gotten the job, I probably would have sued the company, although I wouldn't. But uh, (laughs) the gentleman that interviewed me said to me, so I understand you're a single mother and you've got two kids that you have to support. You don't know a lot about this job or what it entails. And if we hired you after 90 days, if we decided to you know, that it wasn't working out and you didn't cut it, how would you handle being, would you be able to handle being thrown out on the street like that and losing your job? So this is why they needed a human resources person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Plus he had a hand that was bigger than my entire body. But I said to him, you know what? You know, I said, if I'm not capable of doing the job, then I shouldn't be here. I'll figure it out. Believe me, I have figured out plenty of other things in my life. I'll figure it out, too. That doesn't, if you decide I'm not the right person, then I'm not the right person. But I don't think that that will happen. You had to put faith in yourself. I knew what Nick said to me was, I can teach you human resources. I can teach you the difference between life insurance and health insurance. I had done payroll with the restaurant bar, so I I sort of knew what payroll was. I didn't know what this kind of payroll was. But you can learn stuff. But all the years I interviewed, I I hired people at at the bank, let's say. I hired them for their ability to focus on the customer and be nice to people. In the restaurant, my husband would say to me, we need to hire another waitress, find somebody with waitress experience. I said, no, I'm going to find somebody that knows how to be nice to people and knows how to smile. I can teach them how to take an order. So I think that's how I got that first job. It was based on my ability to relate and interact with people. The second job came to me... (laughs) at a funeral of one of my mother's friends. Wow. Yeah. It was a mutual friend who had been in the position at the bank and she was getting ready to retire. And she approached me because she knew I'd been doing uh, human resources for three years at that point. She approached me and asked me if I was interested. And you heard my answer before. No, not, I don't think so. That environment is not for me Two. It w- that I thought the bank was too conservative, too black and white, too structured, not my kind of place. 
but I interviewed for the job. And interestingly enough, the president of the bank was the one who pushed the HR director to hire me because I think she wanted to hire somebody else. But he knew my father and he thought my father was a really great person. And he had also handed me my high school diploma because he was superintendent of schools back in those days. So I don't know that I got that job on my own merit. (laughs) That's an incredible story, though. (laughs) But I really didn't care whether I got the job or not. And I didn't know until after the fact that the other person wanted to hire someone else, but he made her hire me, I guess. I don't know. But it worked out. I was there for 15 years. So there's a lesson in both of those stories, too. (laughs) You know, about knowing people and having a reputation and networking and all those sorts of things that sometimes can be just as powerful or even more powerful than words on a piece of paper or certification or all those sorts of things. Absolutely. And I will tell you that manufacturing position, and I mentioned Nick's name a few times, I knew him because we played tennis at the same place. So I didn't really know him, know him, but he knew who I was. So networking to me is gigantically huge. How has it helped you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, referrals, uh, introductions to people, going to an event where I know no one and making sure I introduce myself to people and building those relationships and really networking. And you know this, Brian. And building relationships. When when I started out in the business, I did a lot of things for other people looking for nothing in return. It comes back to you in spades. So I never, I, I always focused more on the other person, what they needed, et cetera, and built the relationships before I ever asked for the business. Provide value first. Absolutely. Good way to do it. So you've mentioned Nick a couple of times. Hmm. Did you have any other mentors who helped you along the way? Oh, gosh. I got to really think about that. I'm sure there's a million of them. Uh, The first one that comes to mind, uh, mentor, I don't know if she was as much of a mentor to me as just a really solid supporter and believed in me and did everything she could to make sure that I was successful uh, is a woman by the name of Tori, Tori Riley. Uh, Tori and I, our relationship started, she worked for a temp agency and I used to utilize her all the time at the bank because I knew it was, I'd make a phone call and I'd have the person exactly what I was looking for there the next morning. When Tori went to work at the Chamber of Commerce is about the same time that I decided that I was, might want to make a change. So she was the person I called and said, let me just run this by you. What do you think about it? She championed me from the get-go, absolutely, to do it, introduced me to people, got me in front of audiences, uh, referred business to me, et cetera. So certainly helpful. I don't, I, 
and I would, would put her in a mentor category. I think a lot of the people that um, I learned from through those mergers and acquisitions were mentors for me. I watched how they facilitated training and learned from them because they were way better at it than I was. Anybody that I could learn from became a mentor, whether it was a formal mentorship or not, Uh, but really watching how other successful people flourished and their, their styles and really learning better ways to do what I was trying to do. And were there any other people who influenced you? Uh, I think my greatest mentor, if I had to pick one, was my dad. Uh, my father was uh, the father of four four daughters. That of and in itself is an undertaking. And he worked for his father-in-law, who owned a business locally for years and years and years. And at one point, the business he was involved in uh, was not in very good shape. And he also was just ready for a change. Now, my dad was a man at that point. He had a high school education. That was it. No college and no real work experience other than what he had done for my grandfather. And he came home one day and he said to my mother, I I quit my job today. And she responded, what? He said, oh, and by the way, you have to go go to work um, for the first time ever in your life outside of the home. And I'm going to stay home and study for six months and I'm going to be a stockbroker. And then it's all straight commission. So it may take a while before I can generate any income for the house. And I think at that moment, I was, I think, a sophomore or junior in high school. And I thought, wow, that's like the bravest thing. He became so wildly successful in that career. He became a broker. He was asked to take over the office uh, locally, manage it in Glens Falls. He had, I think, 23 brokers underneath him. And he took a chance. And he always said to me, never be afraid to take a chance. And never be afraid to build a business. It will take a while for people to take you seriously. Don't get discouraged. If you're good, people will come to you and just keep stuff in that tube. And I think watching him take that risk when I was in my formative years, if you will, and not be afraid and become so wildly successful, not because anybody gave him anything, but because he worked hard at it, he would go out in Washington County at night and have dinner at somebody's table. And he said, you know, nobody else would do that. But he said, there's a lot of money out there in Washington County. (laughs) (laughs) And people, you know, you just, you've got to, you've just got to go after it. You have to be kind and you have to be nice. He was absolutely bar none, a mentor my whole life, but particularly in this business aspect. And what lessons did you take from that? Don't be afraid. Take a chance. If you're, if be true to yourself, I mentioned that before, uh, everything will always turn out okay. But if you don't take a risk and you don't take a chance, you'll never know. 
Well, it's great that you're able to give a shout out to those people. I always find it rewarding when you can pay it back a little bit and just huh. call out the people who've made a difference for us because I find sometimes they don't even know. Uh, and sometimes people have said I've made a difference to them about something that I've totally forgotten about. So it's those little things you, you never really know how far they're going to go or how much impact you can make on someone. I'm going to mention, I use this when I do leadership training, Brian, and I don't know if you've ever watched it. And I may have mentioned it to you in the past. Um, there is a gentleman on TED Talks. The, his video is getting a little dated now, but I still like to use it. Uh, and it's called, oh my gosh, Lollipop Leadership. Okay. I forget his name because I'm not prepared. Uh, and I'm not good at remembering things if I haven't used it in a year. Probably it's been about eight months. Should know him. He's a, He's Canadian, but he talks about exactly what you just said. People, you make a difference every day for people and you'll never know it. And he tells his story about how this he made such a difference in this woman's life through a interaction that he had with her when the, her first day of starting college and the impact that we all have on people and why don't we tell people when they make a difference for us. But I, I, take a look at it. It's a great clip. It's probably about eight minutes. It's not very long. Wonderful, wonderful uh, story. Could it be Drew Dudley? It is Drew Dudley. Thank you very much. Yeah, I didn't want to start clicking on my end because I didn't want to make any noise. <laughs> no, I found it while you were talking. And um, yeah, so we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes in case people want okay. to check that yeah. out. Yeah, thank it's you for, awesome. Thank you yeah. for bringing that out. A couple of last questions. How do you help people today? Oh, my and people that know me have heard this a lot. Uh, every day when I get up, uh, my goal for the last 30 years of my life, probably, my goal is to make a difference for at least one person every day. And I do it, I don't even do it consciously anymore, um, whether it's a work thing or just a personal thing. And if I can accomplish that goal for myself once a day, I've had a really great day. Uh, example this morning, uh, I go to the Y. It's pouring rain. I'm in my car driving away, and there's this woman who has all she can do to put one foot in front of the other, trying to roll a bag across the parking lot to get to the door of the Y so she can go in. I stopped my car. I got out, and I said to her, let me take that bag for you. And she was like, are you kidding me? hold the door open for somebody smart, you know, whatever it is, you don't have to go out of your way to find it. But I, I'd like to think that I make at least one positive difference for somebody every day, whether I know them or not. And that's rewarding, isn't it? Oh, it's very selfish. Yeah. I get a kick out of it. I look for those opportunities because it makes I me mean, feel good. It means so much. And we help somebody else a little bit too. Yeah. So last question well, two more questions. Where can people find you online? Uh, my website is www.hamilresources.com. I am on Twitter. I have a Facebook page under Hamel Resources as well. And that's H-A-M-E-L Resources? Yes. And we'll link to that in the show notes too. 
And last question, what does the future hold for Gail? <laughs> well, Gail's getting a little old, Brian. No, say it's not so. Uh, I said I just got my first retirement check. Um, I don't know what the future holds. I will tell you that everybody I know that uh, I went to school with and are my dear friends are all retired. Uh, I'm not there yet. I love too much what I do. I love that I can keep my self current in what's going on. I love that people still want me to come and do what I do with them and for them. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. Part of me wants to, and I, I've started to consciously make an effort to, you know, maybe work only 40 hours a week. So that's a big <laughs> step for me. <laughs> Uh, that's a big deal. And and a little bit more of me, to, you know, time for me. As I said this morning, I went to the Y because tomorrow I can't do that. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think I will continue to just um, not push myself, but I, I still want to be current. I still want to make that difference for people. Uh, younger people today are so looking for those mentorships. I people still seek out advice and want me to come and do what I do. So I will continue, I'm sure, for quite a while to to do what I do until maybe I can't or I decide, you know what, you're just too old. <laughs> but right now I'm okay. Well, I would, my thoughts on this subject are two things. One, why stop if you enjoy it? Exactly. If you get if it's rewarding, there's no rule somewhere that says you have to stop. And B, especially on the training and consulting side, it's interesting. I've heard so many speakers and even trainers say it's one job you don't necessarily age out of because you right. acquire more wisdom and more wisdom. And as long as you feel like you have the strength to stand up and talk, there's going to be people who want to hear it. Well, I got the strength to stand up and talk. Is all that equipment I got to lug around? I, <laughs> I have a lot of stuff, more stuff on wheels these days than I used to. But uh, yeah, and some of it's a little, but I'm still able to do it, and I still I get a kick out of it. And maybe when the day comes that somebody says, "You know what, Hamill, you just need to let it go," uh, then I'll start to consider it. But right now, I'm good. I I love an audience. I love to be able to make a difference for people. And I'm told that I do. So Great to hear. And you said you want to make a difference every day. From my standpoint, you certainly have made a difference in my day today. So thank you. And I think you'll do the same for everybody that's listening. Thanks, Brian. So that was Gail Hamill, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I really loved her points about taking chances, and also the power of connecting with people to help us get to the next level and to help them too. And that will wrap up our episode today. If you found us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, if you could take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review, that would be much appreciated. Or you can find us online at brianrollo.com lead. While you're there, drop me a line at brian at brianrollo.com and let me know what you're thinking in terms of leadership, workplace culture, teamwork, all this fun stuff. Thank you so much for being part of the journey. Have a great day. Go out there and lead with impact, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.